Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, Philip Preaches in Samaria, Part 4. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Our last episode was Philip Preaches in Samaria, Part 3, posted on April 9th. In that episode, we learned Simon, or Simon Magus, was not a man commonly referred to in our Bibles who, himself, was a godly and good man. This Simon Magus was quite the opposite of godly and good. We learned further that the Samaritans are first baptized and then receive the Holy Spirit, this time by the laying on of hands. It is essential to understand that the first and primary thing is that one must hear and believe in Christ before receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and water baptism. Notice Acts chapter 8, verse 15. These two went down and prayed for them so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. Notice how the work is enacted. One prays for another so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. This needs to be learned since there is no other way for one to acquire his power, demonstrated through the inaction of spiritual gifts. We learn further from Barnes' New Testament notes, which reads, They sought at the hand of God the extraordinary communications of the Holy Spirit. They did not even pretend to have the power of doing it without the aid of God. To find out more, Listen to our previous episode titled, Philip Preaches in Samaria, Part 3. This week, our final study in this series is titled, Philip Preaches in Samaria, Part 4. Our study scripture reads, Now Simon, when he saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, offered them money, saying, Give me this power too so that everyone I place my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could acquire God's gift with money. You have no share or part in this matter, because your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that he may perhaps forgive you for the intent of your heart. For I see that you are bitterly envious and in bondage to sin. But Simon replied, You pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing of what you have said may happen to me. So after Peter and John had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem proclaiming the good news to many Samaritan villages as they went. From 
the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. The first two verses say an astonishing thing. Now Simon, when he saw the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, offered them money, saying, Give me this power too, so that everyone I place my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Simon Magus is obviously confused, not saved, or both. How the Samaritans received the Holy Spirit should have been quite obvious to Simon Magus. Yet, it is clear that he missed something somehow. Could this also happen today? Simon saw, etc. That is, he witnessed the extraordinary effects the power of speaking in a miraculous manner, etc., from Barnes' New Testament notes. For us, that clears up one thing. Simon Magus did see and observe the laying on of hands, without a doubt. He heard the prayers and saw the end result of people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit by spiritual baptism. Remember, this is far different than water baptism. Notice further, he offered them money. He had a remarkable influence over the Samaritans, and he saw that the possession of this power would perpetuate and increase his influence. Men commonly employ the tricks of sleight of hand, deceitful cleverness, trickery, cunning deception, for the purpose of making money, and it seems probable that such had been the design of Simon. He saw that if he could communicate to others this power, if he could confer on them the talent of speaking other languages, it might be turned to vast account, and he sought therefore to purchase it of the apostles. From this act of Simon, we have derived our word simony to denote the buying and selling of ecclesiastical preferment or church offices where religion is supported by the state. This act of Simon shows conclusively that he was influenced by improper motives in becoming connected with the church. From Barnes New Testament Notes we have five items of note to better understand Simon Magus. He was not saved of Christ despite a depiction of him coming to that awakening. It was, as can be, for personal gain. In such a case, one does not receive the salvation of Christ. It is nothing more than mere words and ceremony. Observe 1. How infinitely mistaken this wretch was in thinking that the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit could be purchased with money. 2. In supposing that the apostles had a power to dispense these gifts when and where and to whom they pleased. 3. And that they could enable others to impart this also, which were all very gross conceits. From this deed of Simon's, 
It is called simony, to seek to buy spiritual gifts or offices with money. Observe, too, what it was that put Simon upon purchasing this power. Doubtless it was covetousness and vain glory. He hoped to make a penny of this privilege and to render himself famous among his followers by this prerogative. Learn thence that cunning and close hypocrites, corrupt and hypocritical professors, do seek to make a gain of godliness and a merchandise of Christianity. Simon had never bid so freely for Holy Ghost if he had not expected to receive as freely of others for the Holy Ghost, which he desired to buy, but not to keep, and intended to sell, not to give. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. Think about that last comment. He had not expected to receive as freely of others for the Holy Ghost, which he desired to buy, but not keep, and intended to sell, not to give. Think about that. The word simony comes from an expression that means that someone is looking for financial gain in spiritual things or for buying offices. Such people believe that godliness is a means of gain. It covers all forms of trade in spiritual matters. It is the third time that evil appears in the church, and all three times it has to do with money. From King Comments Commentary on the Whole Bible Those three commentary passages give us something very important to look at. Notice, men commonly employ the tricks of sleight of hand, deceitful cleverness, trickery, cunning deception for the purpose of making money. The most common sleight of hand today is commonly called magic. It is an entertaining form not used to harm others. Typically, it brings curiosity, wonderment, and happiness. However, the sleight of hand used by Simon Magus was used to falsify the things of God. The sleight of hand used by Simon Magus was wrapped in deceitful cleverness, trickery, and cunning deception for the purpose of making money. This is the difference between a modern magic show for entertainment and doing spiritual harm. In this case, it is all about intention. It may seem a fine line I am walking here, but it is not. Again, today's magicians use sleight of hand for entertainment purposes. Yes, they make money because it is a chosen work they do. This is in the same way one chooses to be a mechanic or a nurse. I want this to be very clear so people are not falsely accusing people of something they did not do or choose. Again, it is about intent. Do today's magicians work deliberately 
to deceive people so they appear as God? Or do they work to entertain people to bring them some joy and curiosity? So, moving on. To better solidify our examination, notice Simon, who saw that if he could communicate to others this power, if he could confer on them the talent of speaking other languages, it might be turned to vast account, and he sought therefore to purchase it of the apostles. Specifically, we should note two things. First, it might be turned into a vast account, meaning Simon Magus saw a huge opportunity to make a large sum of money, to get rich. Secondly, for that reason, he sought to purchase it, it being the gifts of the Holy Spirit, from the apostles. Question. How do you purchase something you cannot see? It is there, but the only evidence for it is the finished work. What Simon Magus wants to purchase cannot be sold because it cannot be seen. It has no physical presence as any object you can think of. I can purchase a car because I can see it and tell someone which one I want. However, if I could simply wish to be some place and that is all it took to get me there, how could that be purchased? Like the gifts of the Holy Spirit, there is nothing that can be purchased because what makes the gifts of the Holy Spirit work is Him, God. This should help explain just how deceived Simon Magus was. Maybe now this comment by Barnes makes sense. This act of Simon shows conclusively that he was influenced by improper motives in becoming connected with the church. Notice from King Comment's commentary on the whole Bible. The word simony comes from an expression that means that someone is looking for financial gain in spiritual things or for buying offices. Today, it could be both at the same time. Such people believe that godliness is a means of gain. Simony covers all forms of trade in spiritual matters. If that wasn't enough, it is the third time that evil appears in the church, and all three times it has to do with money. Scripture continues. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could acquire God's gift with money. You have no share or part in this matter because your heart is not right before God. The gift of God, that which he has given or conferred as a favor. The idea was absurd. That which God himself gives as a sovereign could be purchased. It was impious to think of attempting to buy with worthless gold that which was of so inestimable value. The gift of God here means 
the extraordinary influences of the Holy Ghost. All that we can give, the silver and the gold and the cattle on a thousand hills, belong to him already. We have nothing which we can present for his favors. And yet there are many who seek to purchase the favor of God. Some do it by alms and prayers, some by penance and fasting, some by attempting to make their own hearts better and by self-righteousness, and some by penitence and tears. All these will not purchase his favor. Salvation, like every other blessing, like every other blessing, will be his gift. And if ever received, we must be willing to accept it on his own terms, at his own time, and in his own way. We are without merit, and if saved, it will be by the sovereign grace of God. From Barnes New Testament Notes Barnes really said something important for us to really understand. First, he asked the question, How can we pay a price to God? He then tells us why we cannot by answering that question. All that we can give, the silver and the gold and the cattle on a thousand hills, belong to him already. We have nothing which we can present for his favors. And yet there are many who seek to purchase the favor of God. Some do it by alms and prayers, some by penance and fasting, some by attempting to make their own hearts better, and by self-righteousness, and some by penitence and tears. All this will not purchase his favor. Salvation, like every other blessing, will be his gift, and if ever received, we must be willing to accept it on his own terms, at his own time, and in his own way. Then Barnes tells us why this is a fact. We are without merit. Notice first, anything and everything we can give to God for any purpose belongs to him. What? Already! So where is the value in anything we can give to God? For we have nothing which we can present for his favors. However, there are many who seek to purchase the favor of God. How do they try to do this? Some do it by alms and prayers, some by penance and fasting, some by attempting to make their own hearts better, and by self-righteousness, and some by penitence and tears. Now that's the third time I've said that because I want it to be very clear to you. I want you to really hear that and understand it. 
so that you can increase your level of sincerity to your Heavenly Father who loves you. With the exception of self-righteousness, we know that alms, prayers, penance, fasting, attempting to make their own hearts better, and some by penitence and tears, can be done sincerely, which is encouraged by what we learn in our Bibles. However, the rub here is the attitude of our hearts and minds. If we do any or all of these things with the intent of getting something from God or getting His attention for a particular purpose, then Barnes is telling us we will fall flat on our face in failure. If the right way and in the right frame of heart and mind, such things do gain God's attention and our correct prayers will be answered. With that said, notice what is said of Simon Magus. You have no share or part in this matter because your heart is not right before God. That is very clear, to the point, and needs no further interpretation. Notice how Peter continues. Therefore, repent of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that he may perhaps forgive you for the intent of your heart. For I see that you are bitterly envious and in bondage to sin. This does not sound like the sanctified man Simon Magus is supposed to be per Acts chapter 8 verses 12 through 13, which read, But when they believed Philip, as he was proclaiming the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they began to be baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after he was baptized, he stayed close to Philip constantly, and when he saw the signs and great miracles that were occurring, he was amazed. What we have learned since that passage raises doubt about Simon Magus' salvation. Did it truly happen for Simon Magus? Was it better an act to claim things that never belonged to Simon Magus because of his false salvation? We can answer these questions with Acts chapter 8, verse 24. But Simon replied, You pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing of what you have said may happen to me. No saved person in Christ would make such a request. Simon Magus wanted Peter to atone for something Peter did not do. It was done by Simon Magus, requiring Simon Magus to repent. The last verse tells us, Peter and John had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord. They started back to Jerusalem, proclaiming the good news to many Samaritan villages as they went. If we bring this down to two questions, they would be, 1. Are you truly saved unto salvation in Christ? 2. 
have you repented for your sins, and do you continue to do as you commit more? Remember, that scripture tells us that all we need to do is sincerely ask forgiveness of our sins, and Jesus is faithful and just to forgive them. Next week, we will jump to Acts chapter 18 as we examine our study titled, Paul at Corinth, Part 1. Here we see Paul addressing both Jews and Greeks. The Greeks are otherwise known, too, as Gentiles. We have already seen quite a bit of what happens early in a believer's life. As one ages as a child of God, stepping out and doing God's work is more of an implied requirement. We will examine how Paul, who was Saul, is stepping out in his day. Join us next week to learn more. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. We greatly appreciate our audience. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners, followers, and new listeners. Thank you all so much. We are very pleased to serve a diverse international audience. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. Find our website at https colon forward slash forward slash the church of the unchurched dot org. Please type the church of the unchurched as a single word with no hyphen in unchurched. Our mobile, tablet, and desktop-compliant website has more information, links to many of our podcast platforms under the podcast menu item. We are found on podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify, to name a few. We refresh our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays, East Coast Time, USA. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. 
Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast RSS feed platforms. Find us on a preferred platform to follow us as we continue to grow. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.